Romans 8, we're going to read from verse 16 through 25 again today, and and we're going to work through these again, and perhaps bring out more of the hope that can be found. And to our visitors this morning, welcome, uh, good to see you this morning, and and um, uh, we have been working our way through the book of Romans for quite some time, and and so to, today we find ourselves in chapter 8, and and we've talked about that perhaps, you know, Romans is the greatest book in the whole of the Bible. And perhaps chapter 8 is perhaps the greatest chapter in the book of Romans. And, and we have been spending quite a bit of time here. And, and so let, let's read and let's see what the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit may open to us this morning. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Romans eight sixteen through 25. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs, together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it, with perseverance. So let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And perhaps more importantly, Lord, who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake and in his name I pray, amen. Amen. Let's pull up just uh, verses 16 and 17. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And then verse 17, and if, and I know we've talked about this uh, probably the last couple of Sundays, uh, that little word if perhaps would have been better translated as since or because, because in the Greek that little word if doesn't give a meaning of doubt. Because when we use that word in that language today, well, if, we're, we're thinking something may happen or it may not happen. But, but it, in the Greek, it leaves no meaning of doubt or, or a possibility of doubt, but rather it gives a present reality. This is. This is. And if children, or since we are children, because we are children, we are heirs, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, there it is again, since because we indeed suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. If we are born again, if we're born of the Spirit, we are a children of a child of God. No if, 
ifs, ifs, ands, or buts about it. We are. And because we are, we are heirs of Christ, joint heirs with Christ. And because we're an heir of Christ, we will suffer with him. We talked about that quite a bit last Sunday, and I realize as we, as we have visitors, uh, I'll, I'll try to review as we go, uh, and because um, we talked about that, to suffer with Christ. And I believe this suffering with Christ in verse 17 perhaps relates mostly to persecution, uh, suffering for righteousness' sake. And then in the, in the next verse, we have the suffering of this present time. And I believe that will take in all types of suffering. Suffering due to attacks of the devil. Suffering due to sickness or disease. Suffering due to natural disasters and calamities. Or suffering due to, and we talked about this, to, due to consequences from wrong decisions that we have made. All kinds and all types of suffering in this life that we live. Why? I've asked this question, why? Why is there so much pain? Why is so many lives being lost in Israel and all that area that's going on there? Why so much suffering? Why so much death in the world? And he can boil it down to one simple little three-letter word that begins with the letter S, and it is sin. Sin. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man's sin, through one man's sin entered the world, and who was this one man that sin entered? Adam. Through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all sin. We all fell in Adam. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. No exception since the time of Adam and Eve. When Adam sinned, death, suffering, Futility, groaning came into the world. Why? Why? Because God said it would. Because God said it would. What had God told Adam in the Garden of Eden? Eat of this tree and you shall surely die. So all the death, futility, corruption, and groaning of the world is a correct... Now listen, everybody listen. All of it is a correct and right judicial decree from a holy, righteous, and just God in response to sin. That's how grievous sin is the most holy and righteous God. The wages of sin is death. But for the child of God, all of the sufferings that we will face while here on this earth will be worth it because of our hope of glory. All of our suffering will be worth it because of our hope of glory. Uh, Verse 18, Romans 8, verse 18. Therefore, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And again, for I consider... (laughs) Now, when we use that word, well, I'll, I'll consider, I'll think about it. But, but the word, again, in the Greek, and I'm no Greek scholar, I, I, I get this from, from dictionaries and all kinds of things. The word in the Greek is logizomai, which refers to having come to a settled conclusion. You see, Paul is not suggesting that this may be true, 
he is strongly affirming that it is true. That any suffering, the suffering of this present time, the time of the present, the time in which we live, these sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us or revealed to us. As a child of God, we can have hope even in the midst of suffering. Do you believe that? The Word of God tells us so. So believe it, believe it. As, as a child of God, we can have hope even in the midst of suffering, regardless of the cause of the suffering, regardless of it. We can have hope because of our hope of glory. And John MacArthur said it this way. Quote, he said, Our suffering is earthly, whereas our glory is heavenly. Our suffering is short, whereas our glory is forever. Our suffering is in our mortal and corrupted bodies, whereas our glory will be in our perfected and imperishable bodies. End quote. I thought that was very good. I couldn't say it any better than he did. So this glory will be revealed in us or revealed to us. This overwhelming, all-satisfying beauty and greatness of God revealed to us. We will see it. We will see it. We will experience it in all its fullness. Can, can we even comprehend that? No, I don't believe we can. And, and this is why Jesus prayed for us the way he did in, in John 17, verse 24. Listen to how Jesus prayed. John 17, verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Now, now who's the ones whom, whom God gave to the Son? <laughs> that's all who believe. That's, that's all. It's the bride of Christ. Father, I desire that they whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world." Christ wants us to be with Him. Why? So that we might behold His glory. I desire that they whom you gave me. Now, John wrote about this a little bit sooner in the book of John. Let's go to John 6, verse 37 through 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son, now listen, now listen, you get this, everyone who sees the Son, who sees Christ, Everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Because Christ was risen from the grave, we too in Christ will rise to be forevermore with Him. In 1 John 3, verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, when Christ is revealed, we shall be like Him, 
for we shall see him as he is. <laughs> we, we shall behold his glory. We shall see him who has given himself for us, who died upon a cross, who bore my sins, who bore your sins upon a cross, that we might be forever saved and live forever with him, that we might behold him. <laughs> I, I, I can hear Sandy Patty singing that song, we shall behold him. Uh, the, the lyric, a part of the lyric, we shall behold him face to face in all his glory. We shall behold him, our Savior and Lord. What a day that will be. For I consider that the suffering of this time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. Amen. It, it can't compare. So let's look now in verse 19, Romans 8. Romans 8. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The creation. The cosmos. The physical world eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God, the children of God. See, Paul is personalizing nature, is he not? And this is nothing new. This is nothing new. And in fact, the Jews of, of Paul's day would have been very familiar with this. Let's read just a couple of passages in Isaiah 35, verses 1, and the first portion of verse 2. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. Talking of the desert. Let's go a little bit further in Isaiah 55, verse 12. Isaiah 55, verse 12. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth unto singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. See, all of creation declare the glory of God. Amen? Yes, it does. That... There is no excuse. Oh yeah, people can say, well, there is no God. Well, just open your eyes if you can and look around. If you can't, just feel. There is a God. We have a, a creation. There was a creator. There was. So why would creation be eagerly waiting for the time in which the children of God are revealed or glorified? Why would creation be waiting? Well, verse 20, Romans 8, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility. Now, now, what caused the world, what caused the cosmos to be uh, subjected to futility? What was the cause? Well, the cause was sin. The cause was sin. The cause was the, the fall of Adam. Uh, creation itself suffered decay and disease and death because of the sin of Adam. So, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. <laughs> the, nature didn't commit sin. The, the world didn't curse itself, not willingly. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. And we talked about this last Sunday. Who is the Him? Who is the Him? That this is God. 
And remember this. Remember this. Why? Because God decreed it so. All the death, futility, corruption, and groaning of the world is a correct and right judicial decree from a holy, righteous, and just God in response to sin. But God subjected it in hope. See, in hope, in hope. God has a plan. Uh, Hope for his children and also hope for fallen creation. Uh, Let's go now to verse 21, Romans 8, verse 21. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Do, Do we get that? Because the creation, the world, the cosmos, will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Here, I'm going to read another John MacArthur quote. I like how he said this. He said, quote, Nature's destiny is inseparably linked to man's. Because man sinned, the rest of creation was corrupted with him. Likewise, when man's glory is divinely restored, the natural world will be restored as well. Therefore, Paul says, there is hope even for the natural creation itself, which will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, just as man's sin brought corruption to the universe, so man's restoration to righteousness will be accompanied by the restoration of the earth and its universe to their divinely intended perfection and glory. End quote. And I thought he put that very well. I thought he put that very well. And in in light of that, the prophecy of Isaiah 65, 17 will come to pass. Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Someday, in God's timing... This earth will be gone. It will be gone. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The the universe will be changed into a place perfectly suited for the perfected and glorious children of God. Now think about that. The universe will be changed so that it will be a suitable, perfect place for the perfected and glorious children of God. The prophecy of Revelation 21, 1 through 5, will come to pass as well. Let's read. Revelation 21, 1 through 5. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, There shall be no more pain, for their former things have passed away. 
Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And they are. They are. The glorious day of the Lord. Well, what's going to happen to this earth? Well, let's look in Second Peter, third chapter, 10 through 13. Second Peter 3, 10 through 13. But the day of the Lord, this, this, is, this is talking about the end of days. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Burned up. Burned up. I don't know. I don't know if there's enough nuclear weapons to it could happen that way. But God says it's going to happen, and in some form or fashion, it will. It will. The heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? In other words, in light of knowing what's coming, how should we be living? In knowing what's coming, shouldn't we be obedient to God? Shouldn't we be looking at His Word? Shouldn't we be looking to the Lord? Yes. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Aren't you looking forward to that, child of God? A time no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more sin. Because we will be so filled by being in the presence of God and His glory. (laughs) I I see there'll be no possibility. Or sin. Child of God, we will inherit a new earth. Restored, made new. Matthew 5, 5 in the Beatitudes, Jesus said this, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Romans 4, verse 13. Romans 4, verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir, and the he there is Abraham, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham, heir of the world. We are children of God, but we are, so to speak, children of Abraham from his lineage, from his line, from his seed, And we will not inherit the world through the law, through the keeping of the law, or any of those things, but by righteousness of faith. See, the heirs of Christ are those who have been made righteous by grace through faith in Christ. One day, we will be glorified together with Christ. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. 
For our citizenship is in heaven. For every born-again believer, yes, uh, while we're living here on this earth, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. That's my physical citizenship. But my spiritual citizenship is already in heaven. Already in heaven. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, now listen to this, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body. His resurrection body, I assume, I would think so. We shall be like Him. What do we know about Him? Uh, We can read of the resurrected Christ and the things that He did in His resurrected state. And and so where I'm at right now on that, that's how we will be, like, like Christ. Uh, his resurrected body here on earth, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So at that time, the day of the Lord, we who are in Christ will be transformed. We will be changed. And creation will be changed as well. Be changed as well. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55. Behold, I tell you a mystery. (laughs) There's a lot of mystery in the Bible, isn't there? There's a lot. And a lot of those things are for the Lord. They belong to God and Him alone. Him alone. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Any moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? We will be changed. But until then, we wait. And we wait not as one who has no hope, but we wait in hope. In hope. And creation also waits to be delivered from bondage as well. Verse 22, Romans 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Growth groans, labors, and birth pangs. And and I read something from John Piper, and and I thought this was a very good illustration. So, So I hope you can listen. Listen, quote, If you are in a hospital, here's the story. If you're in a hospital and you hear a woman across the hall groan or scream, it makes all the difference in how you feel if you know you're on the maternity ward and not the oncology unit. True? Why? You may say, well, pain is pain. Whether it's pain of childbirth or pain of dying. No, no. Some pain leads to life, 
and some pain leads to death. And what verse 22 promises is that for the children of God, all pain leads to life. Got that? All pain that we suffer leads to life. All the groanings of this world are the birth pains of the kingdom of God. If you are part of the kingdom, a child of the king, all your sufferings are labor pains and not death spasms. And I mean all of them, even the death spasms. End quote. That's good. That's good. Because even for us, all the suffering. Even when our time comes to die, none of us knows how we're going to leave this world. Perhaps we will go quietly in our sleep and, and so to speak, wake up and we're in glory. Well, wouldn't that be great? Or just the fact of the matter is, because we see it happen, many suffer many days. But know this, child of God, all pain all your suffering leads to life. Leads to life. Romans 8.23 Romans 8.23 Not only that, not only the whole of creation groaning, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Yes, yes, we have times of suffering while yet here on this present planet earth, but glory is coming. Glory is coming, and we eagerly await that day, and we wait in hope. So in this life, we hold on to hope. Now let's get, go verse 24 and 25. I thought I could get through this today. We'll see. We'll see. Romans 8, verse 24 and 25. For we were saved... In this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. See, we hope in the yet unseen. That time when we're in the presence face to face. The glory of God. Not yet. But it's coming for the child of God. And we wait in hope. We were saved in this hope. And I'll, I'll just ask this. Do you have this hope? Do you have this hope? And I'll ask this question. And, and Barb and I, I know you remember this, Barb. When, when we were down having lunch with Uncle Louie, who's gone on to be with the Lord, and, and the waitress came up to our table, one of the first things he said to her was, are you saved? She's coming up to take our order. And just after a little bit of chit-chat, he asked, are you saved? And I'll ask that question Today, are you saved? And, and some people might look at me and kind of like the way she looked at him, like, what are you talking about? Well, we're talking about saved from your sin. Are you saved from the wrath of God that is coming to all unbelievers, to all those who are yet in their sins? Are you saved from wrath? Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. There's that word again. And you may ask, well, saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God that is coming. Verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a guarantee. Call upon the Lord in faith, believing. Anybody can utter the words, I believe. You know what? Even the even Satan and the demons believe. And they tremble. Because they know what their end will be. The lake of fire. Everlasting destruction. Is your belief a belief unto salvation? Do you know that you're saved, that you're truly saved? Go back to what we read at the beginning. His Spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and letting you know that you're a child of God? Well, how will I know that? Well, one of the ways you'll know is because you'll have a hunger and thirst for this. You want to read more of His Word. You want to read more of who He is and who we are in Christ. Do you do that? Is that a part of who you are? And another thing is, as we've gone through this, we will have a, 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 this in our heart by which we will want to cry out, Abba, Father. And to thank Him for such a great salvation, to thank Him that we are saved. Is that a part of who you are? That you are thankful to God for such a great salvation, that, that you are saved from wrath? Is that a part of who you are? Or, or uh, no concern whatsoever? That could give a pretty good indication of where you're at in your spiritual life. Know this, that Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb. That's why He came. He came to do the will of the Father. He came to die to pay for the penalty of sin for all who would believe. So the question then, are you saved? Well, do you believe? Do you believe? John 3 Verse 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, this is from the book of Numbers, that God had sent a curse upon the, the, the children of Israel. There, there were was, there was snakes, there were serpents, and they were biting people, and they were dying. And, and, and they said, Moses, uh, you know, help us, help us. We, we're, we're dying. And, and God told him, said, fashion a bronze serpent, and put it on a pole and lift it up. And all who look to it will be saved. So the very thing that was killing them, God had Moses fashioned into a bronze image to lift up on a pole so that all who would look to it in faith would be saved, would live. Jesus came. He became sin. What is killing all of mankind? What is killing all of mankind and sending them to hell? Sin. 
Jesus took upon Himself sins. Jesus became sin. And sin was lifted up on a cross in Jesus Christ. Do you see, do you see what it's talking about? And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Lifted up on the cross. That's what it's talking about. Why? That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Here's the verse that everyone knows or most people know. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He he who believes in Him is not condemned. Oh, but listen to this. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So in this world, there's two categories. There's believers, there's unbelievers, there's no other category. You're one or the other. You're one or the other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for Your Word. Because Your Word is life. Your Word is truth. And Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit has spoken to everyone here this day. That Your Holy Spirit has spoken and and has brought clarity to the spiritual condition of everyone under the sound of the sermon. And I pray, should there be one who is yet lost in their sin, who is, just to be very frank about it, is on their way to hell, that, Father, you would have mercy, that you would open their eyes to see truth, truth of who they are before a most holy God, truth that they are a sinner standing before you, and apart from Christ, apart from saving grace, judgment is coming. And you are just And you will give to each one their just reward. For those who believe, eternal life, new heaven, new earth, all the things we talked about today, and we are so thankful, Father. But for those who do not believe, for those who will die in their sin, everlasting torment. So, Father, reveal to us all where we stand before you. that we might stand rightly, not condemned, but in righteousness. So Father, help us as we live out our journey here on this earth. Help us to eagerly await what is coming, your presence, and for eternal glory. And in light of knowing all of these things, how then should we live? So Father, teach us by your word of truth and by the power of the Holy Spirit that is within every born again child of God. Teach us so that we might live a life that is honoring to you. So help us, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.